0: concluding our study this morning on the topic, what do you want in life? What do you want in life? There's a lot of things you could want. This is part seven and the last part of it. Here's what I want. I want to know Jesus more. I don't want to know about him more. I got got a lot of that. I want to know him personally more than I do today. And I hope that I can whet your appetite for you to say, I want the same thing you want, as we talk this morning. You know, extraordinary entrances into the world have happened over biblical history. We've seen a number of them. We know the story of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was 100, his wife was 90, and God had promised him a son. He goes, how's that going to happen? And God honored his promise to them, Abraham and Sarah had a son when he was 100, and she was near 90, in a human impossibility. A little-known fact is that they had many more children after that. Study your Bible, you'll find that out to be true. In the Old Testament book of Samuel, we, we read of another miraculous divine intervention. We have Hannah standing before the priest every year. She says, He says to her, "'Why are you crying?' And she says, I, I have no, ch- no children. And my husband has got another wife, and she's got many children, and they make fun of me. I'm embarrassed. But in those days, if you didn't have children, you were considered someone that something's wrong with you. In our day, you know, if you don't want children, that's your business. You know, kids cost a lot of money if you didn't know that out by now. Anyway, in short order, God opens her womb, and Samuel comes forth. Samuel is priest. He is counselor, he is judge, and he's really Israel's leader for many years. But there was another miraculous birth, that it was an unexpected birth in the Old Testament. That was a woman who was barren. Her name was Manoah. I don't know if you've heard of her before. She and her husband had no children, and it was an embarrassment. They were praying and asking God to supply. And God spoke to her husband and said, you're going to have a child. Do you know who came forth from that? God answered the prayer, and Samson came forth. You remember Samson? The great story of the... And and his, his secret was his... You got it. You know all about Samson. Anyway, Samson was born and became Israel's mighty fighter. And he delivered Israel from the oppression of the Philistines. You may remember that part of the story. Amazing stories that I've told three of them. But there's one birth that's way more important because it has an impact on you and me today. Because if Jesus was not born as God said he would be born from a virgin without sin, fully human and fully divine, he couldn't be qualified to be your savior and mine. So the entrance of God's son into the world is called the incarnation. Say that with me. Incarnation. It means God came in the flesh, incarnate in flesh, to make the difference for you and me. How many of you ever heard of President Richard Nixon? Some of you have been through civics and high school studies, and you found out his name. I I saw him in a crowd. Dad took me, growing up in Chicago, President Richard Nixon was making a campaign stop in Chicago, and Dad took the kids. My two sisters and I, we went to see Richard Nixon. He was a big fan of Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon one time said that the greatest event in the history of mankind was when man set foot on the moon. Amazing. Billy Graham the next day said, Mr. President, you are wrong. The greatest moment in history was not man putting his foot on the moon, but was when God put his foot on the earth, and send his own son to be born like you and me. How many of you agree with that, that that's more important? Praise God. Praise God. There's news broadcasts and news magazines trying to declare today, as they have every year, who is Jesus? People want to know who he is. I want to know Jesus more. This morning, I want to talk about some key details To Jesus' entrance into the world, and I trust at the conclusion of our time together, you'll echo with me and say, I want to know him more. Paul the Apostle, at the end of his life, at the end of his life, said, I just want to know Christ more. He speaks for me, I hope he speaks for you. First of all, let's focus together on the angelic messenger, the angelic messenger. In Luke 1, verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a a man named Joseph, the descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. What would you do if you were 14 years of age and you were sitting there doing your homework and all of a sudden an angelic guy in bright white garment, 10 foot tall, says, hi, how you doing? (laughs) You know, we all know what would happen. You'd scream. Verse 29, this is how it's described. Mary was greatly troubled. Huh. One modern version says, Mary was freaked out. (laughs) I agree, that's probably what happened, at his words, and wondered, what kind of greeting is this? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You're going to conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of your father, Jacob, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Whew! That's amazing to think about. Now, let's just focus for a moment. Let's note together the mission of Gabriel. What was his mission? This huge, this huge angel. God sent the message of the birth of the Messiah in a most amazing manner. 400 years has gone by between the Old Testament and the New. There's been no message. There's been no prophetic person. No one has come forth and says, hear the word of the Lord. This is what God says. Everything is dead. It's quiet. Historians call it the dark period where there was nothing happening at all. God is dead, maybe. Where is he? You've heard people say that now. If God is alive, why doesn't he change this COVID thing? Why why doesn't something happen? On and on. you got a lot of people asking a lot of questions about stuff like that. But silence has given way to despair, which has given way to discouragement. Where is God when we need him most? Gabriel, one of two angels that are named. You know, there's thousands upon thousands and thousands upon thousands of angels. The Bible tells us that in Revelation. And so we see this one, and he's named. His name is Gabriel. Gabriel. The other one, what's the name of the other named angel in the Bible? Michael, of course. Gabriel is God's supreme messenger. His job is to go and send messages for God. Now, notice what happened. He brings a glorious, great announcement from heaven. Now, he first of all speaks to Zechariah. Zechariah would be the the father of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. Zechariah does not believe what the angel says. The angel comes and says, your wife is going to, is going to be with child. And they, weren't, they didn't have any children, of course, at that point. And so he protests and says, I can't. I don't believe what you're saying. And so in Luke 1.19, the angel says to him, I know you don't believe me, but my name is Gabriel. And I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Whew! sends chills up my spine. My name is Gabriel. I stand in God's presence for thousands upon thousands of years. I know a few things about what's going on in the world. So God sends the mightiest angel in heaven to a small Galilean village to a little girl, 14 years old, and says to her, you're going to be the mother of the Savior of the world. Gabriel comes to Mary, an incredible mission uh, uh, that's been assigned to him. I saw in the news that Mission Impossible number seven is being filmed now in Europe. And people are excited about it's coming out next year, 2021. But I'm not not excited or jazzed at all about it because it doesn't compare to the size of the mission that Gabriel had to bring the message of God's glory, amen, to human people. Now notice, not only must we see this mission, but let's talk about the message that Gabriel has. The message of Gabriel. Luke chapter one, verse twenty eight. The angel comes to her and says, Greetings, you are you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this is. What is this all about? What is he coming here for? How did he get into the house? He just walked through the walls? Does Daddy know he's here? On and on, you got a lot of questions. And he says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Wow, that's a good thing. And so as you and I think about this young girl, Mary, for many years, I'm not trying to put down anyone who comes from Catholic roots. I want to explain something carefully to you. For many years, in the Roman Catholic Church, they have misled people by saying, Hail Mary, finish it for me, full of grace. Now, dear ones, Mary is not the source of grace. God is. Let me prove it. Second Corinthians 8 and 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, meaning he emptied himself. He took off his royal garments, came out of the ivory palaces, and says, I'll go down there, Father, if that's what you want. He became poor. He emptied himself of position and power and prestige and came down here as a servant, as a little baby so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. You go, that's what I'm talking about. Finally, somebody gets it. I want to be rich. He's not talking necessarily about money. He's talking about rich and knowing that your name is written in the book of life. Rich that you know that God loves you. Rich because you're somebody that's important to God. I prayed for a young man in the lobby after the second service. He said his mother wouldn't talk to him. He said, it's Christmas time. I wish my mother would talk to me. I put my hands and prayed for him. I said, I don't care what happens, but here's what I want you to know. God loves you, and you're someone special to him. If mom talks or not, you're still someone special with God. But let's pray that mom will call you. The message of Luke 1.28 is not reason to boast in Mary's qualities, or her character. God just chose her to be his vessel, or the vehicle he would use to bring his son into the world. This is what caused her to be highly favored. I hope you see that. Mary was a sinner like you and me. We're all born in sin. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? I'm going to try that again. Am I saying the truth or not? Amen. All right. So in verse 29, Mary does not understand what this means. She clearly thought, I need a Savior. Because if you go a little further in, the, in that chapter, down to verse 46, we see the song that Mary sings. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He's my Savior, she says. She's not the Savior. She says, God is my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Do you see that? Holy is his name. I rejoice in God, my Savior. So we see the angelic messenger. A second thing I must share with you this morning is the mighty Savior. We've got to focus on him. I want to know him more. Luke 1, 31. You are going to conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and the kingdom, his kingdom, will never end. (sighs) Think about, in our country we have presidents that serve for four-year terms, and if the people vote to have that person continue, they will continue for a second term possibly, and then they're done. His kingdom or her kingdom ends, right? There's no end to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. His kingdom will never end. You know what? I, I like permanence. I like I like the flow for forever. I can, I can trust the one who is faithful to Abraham. I can be trusting the one who is faithful to my great-grandparents and, and my parents and, and to your parents. Amen, he's faithful. His kingdom will never end. Now, notice with me, he was miraculous in his conception. Mary is now seeking to understand how this is going to happen. She asked the question to the angel, verse 34, how can this be? I'm a virgin. So Gabriel, who's been with God since the beginning of time, reminds her of what God said 700 years before. Isaiah 7 14. The Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin, please know what it says, the virgin will conceive. It doesn't say a virgin, it's big time information. I'll get to that in a second. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. The virgin, the Greek word parthenos. The virgin, it's speaking of a specific one person. God had his eye on one person, Mary. He was the choice of God. In other words, Christ had to be born of a certain virgin, in order to fulfill and qualify as the Son of God and Savior of the world. He is fully human, sinless, and fully divine. Let me prove it from the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23. Now, there have been many priests, many of those priests, since death prevented them from continuing in office. The Old Testament priests, when they got to, you know, in some cases 50 or 60 years old, they were put out to pasture. They were done. And then they died. They died. But because Jesus lives, what? What does it say? Say it a little louder, please. He lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you to just give your answer. What do you think is the greatest need young people have today? Somebody tell me. The greatest need. What? Okay. Salvation. Salvation. Want to be accepted? Want to be able to go to school? Want to graduate? Want to have a job? Want to raise a family, hopefully? Want to get married one day? Wanna sit in a chair and watch your grandbabies crawl on the floor? On and on. Greatest needs. Let me go back to verse 26. Such a high priest. Who's he referring to? Jesus. This high priest, Jesus, truly meets, put your name in there. He meets Kim Ashlin's need. He meets Scott Erickson's needs. He truly meets my needs. I want to know a Savior like this better than I know him today, one that truly meets my needs. He is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. There is no needy follower of Jesus. Why? He truly meets our need. Could I just ask you, has Jesus ever done something to meet your need in your life? Would you raise your hand, wave it at me if he has? Most everyone here? So, there is no birth in history like Jesus' birth. Miraculous in conception, but it was also miraculous in salvation what Jesus does. Miraculous in salvation. In Luke 1.31, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. Isn't that interesting? The angelic, the angelic representation says, I'm telling you what's going to happen to you, and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen inside of you, and I'm going to tell you what you're going to do with what's inside of you. You're going to name him Jesus. Why is that so important? Matthew 1.21 Matthew tells us, and she shall bring forth a son, and you are to call him Jesus, for he shall save. He shall save his people from their sins. We'll pause for just a moment. He shall save. Sozo, S-O-D-Z-O, Sozo is the great. He shall save his people from their sins. Now, I want you to think about you're your being talked about right now by God. This coming Savior is going to save people from their sins. Put your name in there again. What does the word sozo, what does it mean to save? I'm going to define it for you. Danger, conflict, sickness, hell, and slavery. That's what he's saving us from. Sickness, danger, conflict. You ever had conflict with a boyfriend, with a girlfriend? Did you ever have conflict with a teacher? My Spanish teacher in high school did not like me. And in short order, the feeling was mutual. <laughs> I wish I had liked her, and I wish she had liked me better. I would have done much better. I'm really fluent in Spanish now. I know taco. I know enchilada. And a few others, burrito. But that's, that's about all I can do. <laughs> anyway. Have you ever had conflict with somebody? You ever had conflict where you didn't... I wish my parents would understand me. I wish my friend would understand me. Conflict. He shall save you from danger, conflict, sickness, hell, and slavery. There were some people in the church some years ago, and I said to one of those people, it was a lady, and I said, now what do you do in the morning? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? She said, I've got to have a smoke. I go, you got to have a smoke? That's the first thing on your mind? Oh, yeah, I've got to have, a, I've got to have something. I've got to smoke. All I could tell you is that sounds like slavery to me. Yeah. You've got your body so trained that you've got to have nicotine in your body. You are a slave. Jesus comes forth to deliver us from slavery. Do you know what the word Jesus means? In Hebrew, it means Yeshua, Yeshua. Means Je- Jehovah saves. Say that with me. Jehovah saves. God delivers, sets you free, delivers you from conflict, from slavery, from habits. That's what He does. That's who He is. So the word comes when Jesus is born. Luke 2:11. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He's come to deliver you. He is the Christ. What does the word Christ mean? means anointed one. He is the anointed one that God has sent to deliver us. That's why I can't get all that excited with, could you give me a shot, please, so I can, you know, go to school? Could you give me a shot, please, so the restaurant can open? Again? Could you give me this? Could you give me that? Could we, could we figure this stuff out? All that stuff's important, but it's not near as important as what the anointed one does and brings to me. I want to know him in a better, more secure manner. I want to know him in a personal way, growing way every day. He has come to deliver us. Later in Jesus' ministry, Luke, the beloved physician, declares, Luke 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man, let's say it together, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Wow, to deliver from danger, conflict, sickness, hell. That's the big one. He's miraculous in salvation, but he's miraculous in his conduct. Let's note for a moment, and I'm, and I'm going to hasten. I'm almost finished. Luke 1.32. He will be great. Speaking of Jesus and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. When you say great, what does that mean to you? I saw this. I like sports, and I'm thinking about this this center for the Los Angeles Lakers. A.D. his name is. Any of you heard of A.D. before? Anthony Davis. He's an awesome player. But they're really angry with him this morning because last night in the ball game while the game was going on, he took his shoes off and was clipping his toenails. That's what great players do, right? Right in front of public? And the first thing I thought about was, it was about 15 years ago, in an early service, and there was a young man clipping his nails in the balcony over there, clipping his nails. And for some reason, it was like an echo chamber, and you could hear it, click. He's filing his nails. I mean, grown men, young men, filing their nails. Anyway, what happened next? One of our ushers went to him kindly and said, "If you don't mind, don't do that now." Somehow it blessed busted him open. He he got angry and yelled and slammed the door. You could hear the whole place shake like this, and he left because somebody said it's not polite in the presence of royalty to clip your nails. Amen. Now, why did I get into that? I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm reminiscing over history. The word great means magnificent, noble, distinguished, powerful. All of these words fit Jesus. Throughout history, Jesus' greatness is on daily display. You go, well, I, I don't know anything about that. I'm living today. I'm not living in Bible days. Well, hold steady. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing what? Good. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Thank God for that example. What about today? Mark chapter 16 says, And these signs shall follow the believing ones in my name. They shall lay their hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. Amen. They will speak with new tongues. What do you really want in life? What do you want? I want to experience more of His glory. I want more of His greatness to be in me. I want to know Him in a grander, greater way, I want to know him more. And finally, he's miraculous in his position. Notice what the word says, Luke 1.32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. No one is more exalted, more honored, more powerful than Jesus. No one. We have gathered here today to honor him. We're not honoring one that was. We're honoring one that is. We've been praying for a missionary for the last couple of weeks who's a victim of COVID. He's been on a ventilator for over a week in a hospital in Pennsylvania. The family was told to come to the hospital and they were told, we want you to approve the disconnecting of all of the methods and all the machines and just let him go. And they said, no, we're going to believe Jesus to heal him and raise him up. Another doctor came and said he was going to take the case and work with him, and he was, he was actually there um, in that hospital in, in, uh, in that city <clears throat> and where he, he practices down in Baltimore somewhere and that man gave counsel and leadership. And yesterday, yesterday, missionary Shannon Rust was talking to his wife with no <laughs> ventilator, full oxygen, and God has raised him up. I'm not talking about a Jesus that was. I'm talking about a Jesus that is. Isn't it wonderful to trust a God so great? Now. This Jesus that I'm talking about this morning is coming in glory. He's coming again. And when he comes, you and I wanna be ready to meet him. We don't want our hearts engaged in pursuit of all these other things that we could pursue without leaving any attention, any room in our heart. What kind of room do you have in your heart for him? What kind of desire do you have to exalt him? There's been no greater news delivered to this world than that message. I'm sending my son, Mary, and he's coming through you. He's going to be great, and he's going to save the people from their sin. All I can tell you is, that's got my, I can tell anyone I meet that he will do what he said he would do. You're in a mess You in conflict, you in sickness and despair, you in hopelessness, Jesus can change it. And I love him for that. I love him for who he is. I wish I had more time to plow this morning because I believe if you and I come on the same page and say, you know what? I would like a new car. I would like a bigger house. I would like a job. I would like to get A's. I would like to go back to school. I would like a, you know, on and on, all the stuff we could long for. What we should say, I want the most. I want to know him more. I want to understand why he loves me like he does. I want to know how he does what he, I want to know what I can do to line up with, because we all go through things of sorrow and trouble. I've found he meets you even in times of sorrow. I have found he'll meet you in times of distress. He'll meet you in times of chaos, when there's shortage, when you don't know. You just don't know how your business can survive. You don't know what tomorrow brings. You can find in him the peace of God that passes all understanding. He'll guard your heart. I want to know him more. Stand with me, would you please? Jesus, Jesus, on this 20th day of December, 2020, what a nice ring that has, 12, 20, 2020. On this very day, would you do something inside of our hearts and give us a greater desire to want more of you in our lives? We want more of your victory. We want more of your Spirit's power. We want more of your anointing. We want more of your presence. Help us, Jesus. We want you.